Uh, this is an open letter to Governor John Carney and members of the legislature from former legislators. Uh, this is about a week and a half, two weeks ago, I guess. Dear Governor Carney and legislators, we, the undersigned former legislators, are writing to express our deepest concern- concerns about the state's efforts to privatize Medicare for 30,000 retirees and dependents. Many of us will also be affected by this monumental change to benefits that the state has provided its retirees for decades. We are particularly concerned, given the findings of your own consultants, that privatizing retirees' benefits by switching to Medicare Advantage will have much less impact on the unfunded liability in the state's health care fund than other changes. They found that changes to eligibility for retirement health care benefits would have a far greater impact than privatizing traditional Medicare. After all, retiree Medicare benefits are 80% funded by the federal government. The unfunded liability of the state's health care fund should not be the only consideration in your decision-making. The law requires that you select the, quote, best plan that satisfies the interest of the state and its pensioners. Emphasis uh, in the original. Forcing retirees into a plan that delays and denies medically necessary care ordered by their doctors requires that retirees request pre-authorization for 2030 procedures and medications, charges deductibles, co-pays, co-insurance, and other cost-sharing fees, forces retirees to use in-network doctors instead of their own, and prevents retirees from getting treatment at specialty hospitals that do not accept Medicare Advantage. This is not the best plan to satisfy the interests of Delaware pensioners. Even in the worst of times, we kept our promise to our retirees and made sure that their excellent health care benefits were secure. Now it is your turn to do the same for those who went before you. Respectfully, yours, the other side. Comrades and friends, hello. This is the Highlands Bunker Podcast. Uh, we're in the shadow of Rockford Tower. We're behind enemy lines. We're in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast. And today, uh, our guest is uh, former state senator Karen Peterson. Um, Karen was elected to the state senate four times. How about that? Um, and she's now uh, leading the effort to challenge um, this change uh, that the state is making to pensioners' uh, benefits. So, Karen, thanks for taking the time. You're welcome. Glad to be here. So can you give a little um, sort of background on this? I, I just learned last week, and I knew this was happening, but I didn't really know the start of it, um, that because I was doing a story about DSEA, um, that the executive director of DSEA is on the committee for re- uh, state employee benefits, and they made this decision, I guess, in 2000, a year ago. Is that right? Correct. And that's that was sort of the decision that, that prompted this sort of backlash. Yes. Um, last July, the pension office sent out notices to all of us, as they do from time to time, you know, giving us the latest <clears throat> news. And this one in particular said, um, you know, we're so excited to announce this new program we have uh, for medical coverage. Uh, it's the same as what you already have, but only better. And went on to say that this new plan was going to offer silver sneakers and meals on wheels after you get out of the hospital and all these other things. And they mentioned towards the end of it that it was the Medicare Advantage plan. Well, I had never heard of Medicare Advantage. I've been covered by the state's Medicfill program, a Medicare supplement plan, um, for all the years I've been retired. And since I retired 
the first time from the Department of Labor back uh, in 2001, I was covered 100%. That was what they gave in those days. Um, so I got an email from Lisa Diller, a former county councilwoman, who said, are you aware of Medicare Advantage plans? I said, no, I just figured it was a new supplemental plan. And she said, well, you need to check it out. So I went online and started researching it. And one of the first things I came to was the Inspector General's report from Health and Human Services. And the report they had done last year, early last year, about Medicare Advantage plans. And their conclusion was that Medicare Advantage plans delay and deny treatment to their members. And I thought, well, that's not good. <laughs> that, uh, and requires pre-authorizations and requires that you use in-network doctors and all these other things. I then came across a three-hour hearing that was held uh, by Congress called Protecting America's Seniors. And the three hours of testimony was much the same, that Medicare Advantage plans, how they work is they get our Medicare that we've paid for all our lives. They become the beneficiaries of our Medicare benefits. They, in turn, decide what kind of care we can receive. So it's no longer, it's no longer up to our doctors. It's up to an insurance company. Yeah, can you, I think that's an important point, too. When you say they, in this case, you're not talking about you know, the, 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 the Medicare that everybody has. This is a private, uh, this is a private interest. Uh, exactly. That's becoming the beneficiary of your benefits, correct? And then basically treating it as whether whether it's Blue Cross, Blue Shield, or Aetna, or some other sort of uh, sort of thing. Exactly. That's what it's doing. Yeah, it's privatizing of Medicare. Right. Um, and so, you know, the more I learned about it, the more upset I became about it. And I found like-minded people out there that said, "We need to do something. We need to try to stop this." Um, and so, a couple of legislators held a town hall meeting. Uh, in early September at Goldie Beacom. And we had over 300 retirees show up for that meeting to oppose the switch to Medicare Advantage because they just it was just sprung on us. It was like no notice. It was just, you're not going to have your Medicare after January 1st because we're going to give it to Highmark, uh, the Cross Blue Shield. So we went to the, that open, the town hall meeting, and uh, people were just all riled up. We didn't get answers. What we got was a lot of, oh, no, you're going to be really happy with this plan, the state talking. And uh, it's the same as what you have. And when we would point out that we don't have deductibles now. We don't have copays. We don't have in-network, out-of-network. We don't have prior authorization. We don't have any of that. And they, were just kept, they just kept saying, oh, no, you'll be happy. You'll, you'll be happy. It covers everything that's already covered. Well, we knew better. Um, and so we tried to reason with them. Uh, I had a meeting with uh, Claire DeMattius and Saron Cade. They're the two people in the administration. We're pushing. familiar with both individuals yeah, in different, the, the in different two, capacities. The yeah. two who were pushing this. And, um, and basically they said, no, we're not backing off. Uh, we can't. We've already signed a letter of intent, which, of course, turned out to not be legally binding at all. But um, they, they stuck to that. So we regrouped and decided that the only way to stop them, since the open enrollment period was, was, was coming up and was going to be in October, where we either had to either agree to go with Medicare Advantage or go purchase our own insurance. That's not what we were promised. I, I worked for the state for 42 years. I wasn't told that at the end of 42 years, you can go buy your own insurance, you know? So a group of us got together and were able to put together a lawsuit 
in a matter of a week. And so on September 25th, we filed suit in the Superior Court alleging that the state of Delaware, in adopting a new policy of providing medical care, uh, violated the Administrative Procedures Act and the Freedom of Information Act. Um, We had to go to a hearing in the Superior Court, and on October 19th, uh, Judge Calvin Scott ruled in our favor and said, yes, they violated the Administrative Procedures Act uh, by changing this policy, this longstanding policy of providing a Medicare supplement plan. By changing that to a Medicare Advantage plan, that was a change in policy and should have gone, should have been promulgated by way of regulations, and it wasn't. So the judge ordered a stay. He told the state, you cannot move forward with this plan. Did I see that the judge also determined that FOIA was violated by yes. the state of Delaware? Okay. Yes. And that had to do with how they posted notice of mm. the meetings on their agendas. Never once did it say Medicare Advantage. Interesting. No. It was always third-party administrator, yada, yada. Nothing to see here. No, yeah, you got, exactly. the old, you got the fuzzy. Nothing got to, to see here. You got the smoke screen. Right. Yeah. And so then after they adopted it, they said, oh, no, we, we put it in the agenda. Yeah, you put That's not what the agenda said. So, yeah, so it was on both. So um, the, the judge put the brakes on it. And Yeah, what's the legal situation now? I, I thought that there's a, uh, you know, is it, is it still an open question? I know the stay was granted, but is it still an open question, or has those have those been dismissed in some way? Well, what's happened since then was we then filed for attorney's fees. Uh, our attorney's fees for this case was over, over $300,000, and that's out of the pockets of pensioners. <laughs> you know, we, we just keep going back asking for another $20, $30, $40, and um, so we filed for attorney's fees, and uh, Judge Scott just two or three weeks ago ruled that he uh, it denied attorney's fees because Superior Court doesn't have jurisdiction. It's Chancery Court has jurisdiction over attorney's fees. So we then f- filed to uh, <clears throat> to transfer the case from Superior to Chancery. So we have filed that paperwork. We want Chancery to hear the uh, appeal. And in the meantime, the state, a couple hours after we filed our our uh, papers, they then filed an appeal to the Supreme Court. They want the Supreme Court to overturn Judge Scott's decision that said this was a regulation. But the Supreme Court has not accepted their appeal yet, so they're still a little bit in limbo. So I just, I, I as a, as sort of a, a, per, a, you know, just a citizen of the state, um, I think it's in, incumbent upon me to just mention two things. The, the state's going to the Supreme Court to take stuff away from pensioners who worked for 20, 30, 40 years. Let's just make that very plain so people can kind of like start reckoning with that. Second thing, um, I don't really have much to say about Claire DeMattis. I've said it before. A lot of my uh, feelings come from when she ran what we call torture chambers, what they call prisons. We can leave it at that. I'm very, very disappointed in Saran Cade. And uh, I know this will get back to him, and that's why I'm saying it. I hope it does. Because this is really, really, uh, like it's underhanded, too. I mean, not only are they, you know, deciding to remove benefits that people have earned and were promised and deserve, 
they're doing it in such a way where they, you know, it was cloaked in a lot of bureaucratic nonsense. Uh, it was sort of flew under, the, specifically so it could fly under the radar. And so that now they're able to say, oh, we signed it already, sorry. You know, so they kind of slow played it, which is, which is very, um, you know, it's very discouraging. But I know that the group is still together, Rise, right? So you still have... How many how many people are, are sort of actively can, you can you can mobilize them to come to a hearing or you can you know mobilize hmm. them to write letters or show up at well, show up at John Carney's house? Got the, got over three hundred out to to uh, Goldie Beacom, and Excellent. that was early on. Um, I think we can get more out today. But but the state's not done with its sneak attacks um, because in this year's budget, uh, the car what Carney introduced in January. There's a, I found a little sentence buried deep within the epilogue language, section 101. Of epilogue the, 101. <clears throat> right. We're and, on it. We're on to you. And, and it says basically that the um, state, uh, notwithstanding any law to the contrary, the state will proceed with, they didn't say Medicare Advantage, they again couched it. As third-party administrator agreement, blah, blah, which is Medicare Advantage. So they sneak that into the budget this year. Of course, it hasn't been passed. And I've gotten assurances from some legislators that it will come out of the budget epilogue. But again, another sneak attack. You know, they lost in court. So now they're going to try to slip something through, you know, on page 149 of the budget. It, I... I... I think now's the time maybe we should start to differentiate what we were talking about before because there's a well, I'll, I'll, I'll start ra- sort of raise the subject this way in the letter there's a, f- a phrase in there and and again I know we, we wanted you know this sort of to be a bipartisan letter and, and about retirees which is sort of in a lot of cases apolitical anyway but there's a line in there about well the best way to address any deficiency in the in, in this pool of money is actually to work with the eligibility, not, you know, what you're doing here. It's fair enough to add that. And I don't remember the exact language you could, you could probably, I, 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 I really believe that the only way to ensure that pensioners health care doesn't get taken away, that people's social security doesn't get messed with, that people that that kids can get Medicaid when they need it is to stop pretending like there's some people who deserve it and some people don't, or or that we can we can fiddle with the means testing or the age when people can retire or you know whatever you know whatever poverty wages somebody makes you know we can we can sort of figure out what they can pay and just say that really everybody deserves this and we should figure out a way to get it to everybody. I think the idea that the federal tax that funds a lot of this, and correct me if I'm wrong, is only paid up to like $160,000. So that the, a person at that level of income pays the same of these taxes at $2 million. That's egregious. I actually think our buddy, our, our buddy Joe, might be, might be talking about this soon, trying to, trying to ramp up the taxes a little bit, and then he's framing it in a way where this will, like, this will secure Social Security longer. It's the same sort of idea. Um, but yeah, can you talk about that? I mean, you, you wrote the line and I think it's, I, I mean, I know why it's there. And, and, it, and it, not only that, I know that it reflects sort of, you know, you were, you were pointing to studies that have been done that, that demonstrate this. But do you think it's a good idea to talk about eligibility? Well, 
that line was directly from their own consultants, which is why I put it in there. I see. Willis Tower Watson. So they're that's doing what, that exact. That's what they said. So the about, consultant says this is where you would go if you wanted to address uh, right. deficiencies in the fund. Yeah, Medicare switching us to Medicare Advantage uh, doesn't solve the problem. That not, does not solve the problem. What they said was a, a not a better way, but a more effective way to deal with it is the long term. The active employees, the pre Medicare retirees, are the other two groups, and then then there's us. And the only way you fix that is by changing eligibility, whether you increase the age at which a person can start collecting their their pension and medical benefits. Uh, you might even want to uh, change something about spouse coverage. Instead of paying 100% of spouse coverage, maybe it'd be 50%. Maybe you would pay the, the whole freight for if you want a spouse on your policy. So eligibility is where they said that is where the savings would be for the uh, the unfunded liability. But, you know, they've they've made it sound like, oh, the only way we can balance the books is to get is to throw all the old folks overboard, right. you know, and, and that's us. Um, and, and what Willis Towers Watson said was that's not the that's not the big fix. The big fix is on eligibility issues. And they don't want to deal with the active employees and the pre-Medicare retirees. They figured we were we were, you know, low hanging fruit. They could just get rid of us uh, and save sixty six million dollars a year. Um, but in fact, when we get thrown out of the Medicville plan, the state is actually going to lose thirty six million dollars a year because that's what we contribute to the other uh, uh, health care plans. So, I mean, getting rid of us is not the answer. But besides that, we should be not not. Once do I ever hear them talk about what's in the best interest of the retirees? Not once did they talk about quality of life issues. You know, a woman called me uh, last week from Dover, 83 years old. Her husband, uh, she's, she's a widow. Her husband was a state uh, employee collecting a pension. He passed away. She now gets half of his pension that he was getting when he retired. So she gets $400 a month and a small Social Security check. That's what she lives on. And she said to me, if I have to start paying co-pays and deductibles and co-insurance and cost sharing, I'm not going to be able to make ends meet. She said, I'm working a part-time job now at 83. She's working a part-time job. And she said, I'll lose my house if I have to start paying all of all my medical bills. I'm 83. Of course, I have health issues. You know, I go to the doctors all the time. I can't afford that. So, I mean, they're, that's who they should be concerned about, but they're not. They're saying there's $66 million there. Let's just, let's just throw all the uh, retirees overboard. And isn't, I mean, the state is either statutorily or administratively required to put the best interest of the retirees. It's out right out of the statute. It's like almost like a fiduciary duty. It's, yeah, it's it, like, yeah, right. it's but required. it sounds like they want to chip away, kind of going with, I don't know, this junk bond of a program that kind of sounds like Medi- it's Medicare Advantage C. Right. Um, and then, but then also on top of that, in a couple of years from now, further chipping away with the eligibility. And I think the question is would you see current state employees having the willpower or the organizational power to fight it as Rise Delaware is doing, as the retirees have been doing? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, some of them have kind of 
joined up with us uh, in, in, you know, in trying to pay attention to the issues and even contributing to our, our GoFundMe site to, pay, to help pay the, the legal fees they have. And, and we would never suggest dumping Medicare Advantage on them when they get to retirement, to get to Medicare age. I mean, that would be the worst possible thing, and we're not in favor of that. Um, if they have to change some of the eligibility requirements, that's fine. When I was elected to the Senate in 2002, the people that I served with all had a higher pension than I did because they had just changed it two years before I got there. They lowered the pension benefits for legislators. So I came in knowing that, that when I retired, I was going to get a lower pension. Because when they lowered it, they grandfathered themselves in because it was a benefit they already had. And what we're suggesting is treat us the same way. This is a benefit we already had. We made retirement decisions based in part on the fact that our medical care was going to be paid for. We worked for lousy wages for years and years because we knew the benefits were going to be great. And we're just asking for fairness out of these people. Yeah, I think that's absolutely, uh, said, absolutely fair. I think Bill brings up a good point is it gets discouraging because we'll fight this and, you know, they will be looking at eligibility down the road. I think, you know, this is just, you know, they didn't pick one thing and decide, well, we'll just do this. They tried to pick what they thought might be the easiest thing or the thing they could do most, you know, in in in, in the most smooth way. They were wrong about that, which I'm happy about. Um, But, yeah, I mean... I, I'm I'm for that. I'm for you know fighting for everything, but I think on the other uh, you know on the other hand, what we what we have to do just as much is start talking about how we can make more people eligible for it. You know why are we why is it why is it difficult to get retirees or even state employees or or children health care? Not the not 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 affordable, not opportunity for, not access to talking about going to the doctor and getting treatment or whatever you need to get done. And I, I think that's where the conversation has to go. And, and, and if we start doing that, maybe um, when we have these acute sort of like defensive maneuvers, um, we have a little more, you know, we have more legs to stand on maybe. Well, I'm a big supporter of single-payer health care. I think one of the greatest books I ever read was Dr. Robert LeBeau's book on, uh, on single-payer health care. And, and until we get there, nothing's going to happen. I mean, right, right. now, right. That's right. The, the New York Times did an article probably two or three months ago uh, describing Medicare Advantage as the cash cow of insurance companies because they can make so much money. Take, for example, Delaware. They were going to charge the state of Delaware zero for Medicare Advantage. Nothing. Not one cent in premiums. That's because they can make all their money by overcharging Medicare and delaying and denying treatment for members. That's how they make their money. It's so lucrative that in the contract that Highmark signed with the state of Delaware, there was a kickback provision, which they called gain sharing. And it says that at the end of every year, there'll be a little reckoning of the books, and Highmark will then share some of its its profits that they made off of our backs— and share it with the state. That's how lucrative these plans are. Uh, and, uh, you know, I know Biden's trying to come down on it for the overcharging of the Medicare trust fund because they're going to bankrupt the trust fund. 
This was supposed to be a cheaper option than Medicare, and it's coming in at 120% of the cost of Medicare supplement plans. It's not saving money. It's bankrupting. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is the, the, the fact is that in the United States, you talk about single payer. In the United States, we pay the most. It costs us the most to get mediocre outcomes because all of that money is getting scraped off off the backs of retirees and state employees and kids uh, to go to Highmark so that the CEO of Highmark, uh, I don't even know where, where she lives or he lives, but I'm sure it's it's a very pleasant uh, surrounding. Well, he just got a big pay raise this year oh, to, well, to $8.6 million. Oh, I mean, they just signed this big contract with the state. So, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 um, it's, that's, I'm, I'm glad, I mean, I, I sort of knew that you, <laughs> you had that feeling, but, but yeah, I mean, I think all of this is fighting over, um, trying to get the, the, trying to get the beast big companies to s- stop siphoning off value that nobody, that, that's, get, nobody gets, you know, and we don't have to do it this way. Other people don't, other countries don't, and they actually spend less for, uh, better outcomes. That's just a fact. So, well, the, the goal here is to privatize Medicare. That's right. what the insurance companies are trying to do. And this year, they will it, more than half of Medicare retirees in this country will be under a Medicare Advantage plan. So they're really taking big bites out of uh, out of the uh, industry. Well, that was sort of my question about the depressing thing about the governor or the administration putting this sort of uh, obtuse language in the budget bill for this upcoming year. Do you think they just feel this is like an inevitability? Like they will wait for this? I, I don't know if this stay is kind of permanent or if this will just be with respect to, you know, the current litigation, the way that that Rise sort of fought in 2022, or if this is just something like they're just going to be determined about it because they do see the trend nationally is 50% of retirees will be covered under one of these... Well, I, Advantage I, plans. I think, though, Bill, I think there should be some moral responsibility here, right. you know? Okay, so they get to save a couple bucks, but look what they're doing to people who, I did the calculations on it, the Medicare-eligible retirees have over 600,000 years of service to the state of Delaware, but we're not worth 1.3% of the budget, which is what we cost. You know, there's a moral responsibility here to people who gave over 600,000 years of service to the state. Um, and, and that has to be considered. It's not just about, it's not just about dollars and cents. All it's, these people, all these uh, uh, state officials' faces are running through my mind as you say that they have a moral responsibility. And I just, it kind of, it makes you sick because you're like, yeah, that guy doesn't have any moral responsibility. <laughs> this is just a terrible person. Well, but trying- I agree with you. I'm, I'm actually speaking with... Uh, someone tomorrow who wrote a book uh, called The End of Capitalism. And a lot of that is just like, yeah, we're good that we got here, but we need to start looking at these things uh, based on a different, you know, based on a different set of, uh, of morals. You know, th- is, it, is it important to make more money or is it important that, you know, pensioners have a decent life in, in retirement? Is, is that just say if, if I mean you're going to have to reckon with it? I think we have to make the more the moral question more clear. I think people are afraid to put it in those moral terms. But what we're saying is, it's more important for these numbers to work out and for Highmark to be able to siphon profits off in the manner that you said, and for the widow who, who's 82 who's working a job. You know what I mean? That's just I guess you just shrug. But we have to start putting it in, in those in, in those terms, I think. 
because that that people need to understand it is a moral question. And and the state right now is out trying to recruit employees. They're they're short of employees. They've got all these campaigns going. I would never tell anybody to go to work for the state. And I worked for the state for 42 years and loved it and was always trying to recruit people and did uh, to the Department of Labor where I worked. But I would never tell them now to go work for the state because this is the kind of nonsense they'll pull 42 years later. You know, after you've given your whole life, they'll they'll pull your medical benefits out from under you. So, it's, I mean, it's betrayal. And I never expected a Democratic administration to be the ones to do this. You know, more oh, and more people have been more, saying, yeah. uh, you should have expected. <laughs> I just had a conversation I, just about this. My, my, uh, my mother made the same question. I think I was mentioning earlier my cousin's having problems uh, with Medicaid. And I told her the same thing. I was like, look, I've been trying to tell you these guys are not good. <laughs> you know, we've been we've been making that case for for a long for a long time. Yeah. I mean, people people expect um, people expect something that they were never going to get. You know, the fact that that Carney and Demadius and the the you know, the establishment people are behind this and that they're, it's a giveaway to stakeholders, as uh, as John Kowalka would say, um, you know, th- this is not surprising. People didn't know. People didn't know this. Uh, but when you have these Delaware Way conversations, you're not allowed to put like put it in those stark moral terms. You're not really supposed to say that. You're not supposed to say that. Uh, you know, John Carney is going to sell out the, the pensioners because he doesn't care. He, he cares about a stakeholder high mark. See, I mean, everybody knows that. But you know, do we? How do we get forward without being able to have these sort of uh, to 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 make the case more clear, you know that's why they obfuscated the hearings and and the the budget line, right? Because right. they don't want to put it in those terms. But you know, if this was a ma- if this were a matter of money, where the state was in dire straits, and you know we, we were going to not be able to take care of you know poor people, or, or then we might say, okay, we need to take a look at this and see where we can give back some. But the state last year had a $1.4 billion surplus, and the year before they had a billion-dollar surplus. So they don't need our lousy little $66 million. They're, they're rolling in money. So this is not about needing money. This is about something meaner than Correct. that. <laughs> this is about the, yeah, this is about the privatization of what should be something we all agree to support, which is, you know— uh, retirees and and seniors you know life health care whatever you know that's that's the thing you're you're exactly right it's not about it's actually not about the money it's about the ideology of we can't do anything right we have to give it to the to a private entity so they can skim off of it to do it efficiently but all of the everybody who studies this says it's actually more inefficient and you're paying more for it but ideologically it has to be that way in your mind that's the problem with a with a Democrat like this, in my opinion. That's why you sort of can expect people to do that because that's they can't think of anything else to do. I see an interesting parallel. I guess one of the criticisms of Medicare Advantage is the the appeals process. So insurers like Highmark will just unilaterally reject services that physicians have recommended for patients and basically just let it be sorted out on appeal. And I think the insurer, like in that New York Times article you mentioned, they lose the majority of the time. It's making life more difficult. For, it's, it's another hoop for this patient, for this retiree to jump through. And I kind of see a parallel. It's like the state government here making life a little bit more difficult. It's requiring retirees when you guys should be on the beach 
you know, with the with the my tire or whatever, you've got to be pushed into action. <laughs> Right. And it's it's just it's uh, it's staggering to me. That and not everybody just, is capable of that. Right. You know, I've gotten phone calls from people who are in nursing homes and if they lose their Medicare supplement, they can't stay in the nursing home. They say, where, where do we go? People in Cokesbury, when they moved to Cokesbury, they signed an agreement that they would keep their Medicare supplement. And now it's being pulled out from under them. What happens to them? Yeah, you can't get Meals on Wheels after if you don't go to the hospital in the first place. Right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's uh, you know, it's just it's really disturbing. Um, there was a, a a case in New York. One of our attorneys who represented us uh, in our case uh, represented the family of a, a woman who had Medicare Advantage and had a tumor on her leg. Her doctor wanted her to have an MRI right away, and Medicare Advantage said nope. Now, let's give it a year and see if it gets any bigger. And she said, no. I, I, so she appealed. She went through, jumped through all the hoops. There are five levels that end up in federal court, by the way. The last step is in federal court. And uh, so she finally, finally got the okay for the MRI. It took months. By the time they, MR, they did the MRI, it, it was too late. They had to amputate her leg. And not only that, but it had already spread beyond her leg, and she died. That's what happens when you, and, and she was, you know, she wasn't, she was at the bottom age of Medicare Advantage. The rest of us are way past the, you know, the eligibility age. And, you know, we have people in their 90s. We have a couple people over 100. And we're going to tell them to go do the appeals process. Or if you call an ambulance, um, if you're, they won't pay for the paramedics and the ambulance service if they're not from the same company. Well, you know, so when you call 911, you're supposed to say, excuse me, are the, is the ambulance coming from the same company that the paramedics are coming from? We're in Newcastle County. It wouldn't be because the paramedics are county and the ambulance is from the fire company. You know, so you end up on the hook for the paramedics. They don't have the wherewithal to sort through all of that minutia, that Medicare Advantage, you know, their booklet explaining their benefits is, you know, 38 pages long. Uh, and try to understand it. I've read it 10 times. Still can't understand what's paid for and what's not. It's trickery all the way through. Well, um, Karen, thank you for coming in. I know you're tight on time today, but I wanted to uh, mention something that I was thinking about this morning getting ready to talk to you. And I I had remembered it because I'm a lifelong Delawarean, Wilmingtonian, and I had remembered it, and I think it's important to bring up in another context. You have to refresh my memory though i believe that when uh delaware passed same-sex marriage laws that you and your partner were the first couple to be married is that correct correct that's pretty cool and i and i think that's neat (laughs) but i also think because i've been having some other conversations about an issue that's sort of tangentially connected to this because when i was a kid the idea that that would happen you couldn't even really conceive of it in your mind. And, I, and, and you're older and also uh, uh, have a same-sex partner, so you probably couldn't either and had different experience. But we, sh- we shifted and we did that and we're, we're happier and we're better for it. Um, there's a lot of fear-mongering going on right now and menacing from reactionary lunatics uh, about transgender people. 
And um, I think people ought to reflect upon what life was like for um, gays and lesbians before about 15 years ago and, and sort of relate that to what's going on today because it's, it's sick stuff. And uh, that's another thing that we shouldn't be uh, standing for. So that's my little, my little comment. And plus, I wanted to say that I thought that that was a really cool, uh, a, a really cool like little piece of yeah. like detail, like trivia. That's well, Karen they, Peterson trivia. Right well, they there. asked me to do that, and yeah. I said, "Well, wait a minute. The, the, to be married first, we'd have to be there at eight o'clock in the morning." On, <laughs> she didn't want to get up that early on July first. The June 30th is our all-night session in Dover. Oh, right. I said, so I might not even be home from Dover in time to get married at 8 o'clock. All-nighter. <laughs> so. But you could have had, I mean, you're, you, you were at that point, uh, you know, a legislator. You could have had somebody come in and do it at the at the in the, in the the Senate chamber well, or something. Well, people talked about that, and I thought that might be That's a little, too a much. little bit <laughs> pushing yeah, the envelope want to do that. a little okay. bit too much. So, Fair enough. So we made it to 8 o'clock, and... Uh, of course, all the crazies, some of the crazies showed up. The Westboro Baptist Church people showed up. Oh, you up. got those too? Yeah, we did. Wow. And uh, they, were ha- they had their, you know, God hates fag signs and all that. But turns out when we came out of the courthouse, out of the uh, city county building, the street was full of supporters. The police had to close both ends of the street because so many people came out in support. So the opposition was this little group back here, and the supporters filled French Street, which was wonderful. Well, keep that in mind, folks. And uh, and Karen, thanks for coming in. We're gonna My link. Pleasure, to, we're gonna link to uh to like rise stuff and whatever else we can find to sort of get people, uh, one just understanding what's happening because I don't think it's going to be the last of this, as Bill said, and also to to support um you know the state retirees because um you know everybody you've ever dealt with from you know a teacher to you know somebody at the Department of Labor to somebody at Health and Human Services, somebody at the Department of Agriculture, somebody at the DMV. Um, yeah, I mean, they deserve what they were promised and they deserve, uh, you know, a comfortable retirement. Um, so, yeah. And Hey, uh, Delaware chancery court, if you can force Elon Musk to buy Twitter, force, uh, the state to reimburse rise Delaware for their rather meager legal fees in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. We, we can that's get behind that. That's, that's a bunker. Uh, that's, that's, it's bunker indoors. Hey, good. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Hey, thanks uh, so folks. much for having me. I loved it. Um, there's going to be another episode right below this one that only certain people are going to be able to access. I'm guessing you're going to want to go to, to patreon.com slash the Highlands Bunker, throw us 5 or $10 a month because we're going to do... We're, we're, we, have, we, have, we have a bombshell, really, I think. It's a bombshell. Uh, plus, uh, we're also going to talk about um, the state of Delaware versus James McCall, uh, the Wilmington police officer who was uh, found guilty of uh, some, uh, some foolishness um, it was okay that he shot Yahim, but uh, he, he did get. We're going to talk about that as well because I attended the, the trial for a couple of days last week. So, um, right underneath this one, there'll be a fun one, uh, but you have to pay to get it. Uh, left is best. <laughs>